Yurubarichan, co-director with Joanna Hamilton of the new Peacock documentary, The Rebellious Life of Mrs. Rosa Parks. It premieres on Wednesday. Yuruba is the founding director of the documentary program at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY, the City University of New York. The film is based on the biography by the same name um, uh, that was written by Brooklyn College professor Jean Theo Harris. That does it for our show. Democracy Now! is currently accepting applications for Video News Production Fellowship and a People and Culture Manager. You can learn more and apply at democracynow.org. Democracy Now! is produced with Renee Fels, Mike Burke, Dean Augusta, Messiah Rhodes, Nermeen Sheikh, Maria Teresaina, Temi Warrenoff, Tarina Nadura, Sam Alkoff, Tamari Studio, John Hamilton, Robbie Karen, Hanny Massoud, and Mary Conlon. Our executive director is Julie Crosby. Special thanks to Becca Staley, John Randolph, Paul Powell, Mike DeFilippo, Miguel Nagara, Hugh Grant, Dennis Moynihan, David Prude, and Dennis McCormick. To see all our shows, you can go to any podcast platform or democracynow.org. I'm Amy Goodman. Stay safe. You're listening to KBOO Portland. Good morning. You are listening to More Talk Radio here on your community radio station, KBOO-FM, 90.7 in Portland, 91.9 in Hood River, 104.3 in Corvallis, and via the World Wide Web, it is KBOO.FM. I am Cecil Prescott, and I'm here with my co-host, Celeste, who you look like you're sitting in the coast with a the sun is rising behind you, Celeste. Is, is that the case? Uh, well, uh, no. Actually, I took this picture years ago. It's it's a uh, sky picture, great picture of clouds off of um, off of the Fremont Bridge, and so I figure I'd just sit up in the clouds today, right. get myself a nice bird's eye view, if you will. <laughs> Excellent, oh. excellent. Well, this this morning um, we have the opportunity um, to have a conversation um, with two um, two people who will be speaking on behalf of a measure that Oregonians will vote on um, within a few few weeks. Measure one one four, and I, you know, for full disclosure, I've been a um, supporter of this measure so my role here this morning is just to ask ask questions and allow our guests to respond um, to uh, to what we might have um, we will take some phone calls after our, our guests have had an opportunity to explain the measure um, what it uh, the purpose of the measure and uh, Maybe halfway through the program, we'll take some phone calls. But first, we will um, like to introduce our guests. And this is like a really interesting format we have here in the studio. So there's three of us total, well, four with Ray, our engineer. But we are in two different studios with a glass separating us. So um, I'm, I'm going to ask my... First guest, farther away from me to introduce herself, and then we'll come to our into to this studio. So, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine. Uh, this I'm Liz McKenna, uh, and I'm a, a volunteer for this measure. Glad to be able to share my time and, and energy because it's it's going to save lives. Thank you so so much, 
Liz, and thank you for joining us this early hour. And my other guest is... Good morning, Cecil and, and Celeste, uh, Reverend Dr. Mark Knudsen, Pastor Augustana Lutheran Church, and um, one of the chief petitioners for Ballot Measure 114. Excellent. Um, so I, I, I pulled up uh, the stats um, about the gun toll um, in our nations, not just, just all gun. So from the uh, week of October 6th to October 12th, nationally, um, 850 gun deaths in the nation. Uh, 388 were murders or unintentional deaths. Um, approximately 462 were suicide. Um, 750 people injured, 13 mass shootings, three mass murders, and it goes down. Uh, but uh, these are figures that we are becoming um, used to hearing over and over again. Um, so um, why, what, what is Measure 114? And I'll begin with you, uh, Dr. Knudsen, um, as a chief petitioner, um, what motivated you and others to um, to get behind this initiative and to seek for it to be on the ballot this year? Many, as you know, uh, Cecil, have been working on these issues for decades, and especially after the assault weapons ban was lifted, the national one, uh, almost 20 years ago now. And the statistics keep going up, and what happened here is after the Pulse nightclub shooting, we were asked by the LGBTQ community to be one of the speakers that night downtown and then Las Vegas that year and others. Uh, we came together at Augustana, probably 800 people, 900, which we do on a regular basis when there's a tragedy and, and um, had about 100 leaders together ahead of time, heads of organizations, you know, elected leaders. And we said, how many want to ban large capacity magazines and assault weapons? And every hand went up. And so at that time, we had an informal agreement as faith leaders and people just good faith, goodwill uh, to work on this. Then came Parkland and the cries of our youth across the nation, the, the valiant youth in Parkland who stood up um, and the youth in the city and state who stood up really called us to act. And so I, we have to point to our young leaders. You know, our 15-year-olds are not the future leaders. They are the current leaders right now. Their voices are very powerful. And so we formalized and we came together and... Um, probably the most diverse coalition this state has ever seen. Uh, Muslim, Jew, Hindu, Buddhist, Native American spiritual leaders, Christians, other people of faith and people just goodwill. And then uh, uh, ethnically, African American, Native American, Latino, Asian American, European American, LGBTQ leaders. It was just a mosaic and we did that on purpose because we want to show in this country um, when we come together in, in the beauty of who we are, we can make action happen and make it good. So it was a very diverse group, young. Our youngest volunteer was 11 years old getting signatures this year. The oldest was 94. And we tried in 2018, we made a sprint and we got stuck in the Supreme Court because we had so many op opposition arguments and it was a very short timeline. We took uh, to the legislature, two bills in 2019, didn't get a hearing. 2020, we were all ready to go and then the pandemic broke. So we could not, for a public health measure, we could not in good conscience have volunteers trying to get signatures in a pandemic. Nobody knew what, what the reality of it was. So we poised for this year. And, and um, after Buffalo, after Uvalde, people started coming out to help in ways we couldn't imagine. 1,600 volunteers. So I just wanted to say very clearly, it's, uh, and then we got 161,000 signatures. The experts said impossible, but the community rose up. This is a grassroots piece. And, I go back to cable, you know, grassroots snooze years and years ago. So the grassroots work is so critical, and that's what this is all about. And it's about saving lives. When every child in this state, we had the walk your child to school piece last week, beautiful. But last month was lockdown month. Five-year-olds were learning how to lock down in their schools. That should not happen. Thank you. Liz, um could you share a little bit about why you are involved in this and more specifically what does uh, Measure 114 um, seek to do specifically? Sure. Um, I really got involved in it after Parkland. I was in on Valentine's Day as most of us remember 
and the shooting was just so tragic. Um, several people were together, faith leaders and other people, people who said something has to be done. And so we, we looked at Oregon law and said, what might change? What might make a difference? Um, and we did put together a measure. Um, basically, it, it, it dealt with large capacity magazines and assault weapons. We tried to, as you may know, the process for getting it through and on the ballot, anything on the ballot, you require um, a ballot title, and that's a, a process that requires um, submitting, uh, asking the Secretary of State to draft one, and then going beyond that, and, and people get to comment, and then Supreme Court, it can be appealed to the Supreme Court, and we didn't get out of the Supreme Court before July when the ballots were due, or when the, when the signatures were due. And so um, it was disappointing, but it certainly lit a, a fire under lots of people. We had lots of volunteers then, um, over a thousand. And so we then have continued to try to move it forward and tried in 2020 and that the COVID just made it impossible to correct, collect signatures. So finally, now, in 2021, we started drafting this bill and it does two things. First, um, it requires uh, someone to have actually passed the background check and also get some training before they actually get the gun. Um, right now, you may know three days passes after you submit a request for a background check when you go into a dealer. And if three days passes and there's no response, uh, the person can be sold the gun. And if they were a prohibited person or shouldn't have had a gun, <clears throat> and that's determined later, then the police, someone needs to go out and, and retrieve the gun. That's not the way you deal with background checks, particularly involving guns. The other thing we, the measure does is ban large capacity magazines. Over 10 rounds is, is simply not going to be, they're not gonna be for sale. Um, <clears throat> they're not gonna be something you can uh, purchase in a store or sell to other people. If you already own those magazines, you'll be able to keep them, but their use will be limited to places you'd expect them to be used at home for protection if you want, but also at shooting ranges, um, competitions, hunting even if that's allowed. But they're two simple propositions that will make a huge difference in this state. Thank, thank you so much and um, for that explanation. Um, Pastor, I'm, I'm getting confused going back <laughs> and forth. Pastor, Pastor Mark, um, you mentioned that this was a, uh, basically a, a grassroots um, organizing effort. Um, now, I'm sure that the opposition um, is talking about um, these outsiders who don't know Oregon um, are forcing this measure on, on the state of Oregon. What is a counter um, argument against, against that accusation? Well, I've been around for a long time, lived in other places, but grew up in Oregon, and so my wife was part of the um, this migration out of Texas in the early 60s because her mother and father did not want four black daughters growing up in the Jim Crow South in Texas. So she came to Northeast Portland. And um, so the history just in our own family goes way back. And uh, so we're not outsiders, I'll say that. In fact, I've got to say uh, I have a fondness for KBU because 1981, January, I met my wife the night before. Her best friend was a DJ here, Lady C. And so I called Lady C up the next morning. I said, can you play one in a million for my wife? So we did that. So no, our, our, the, the outside, let me say this. There was no outside money uh, in this whole process until just recently where it started. I, oh, I can't say that totally. There were some small gifts, you know, $25 from here and 50 from here. The first, first gift was $5 from a five-year-old who ran up to uh, Iman Mohammed Najib, who was our treasurer, and handed it. So it's not outsiders. This is Oregon. This is Oregon. Every county we have people. We have hunters, we have non-gun owners, we have gun owners, we have veterans. Our veterans are some of our most powerful speakers because they've seen what these guns can do. And they've also been trained. And they people say, what, 18 year old in the military? Well, 18 in, in the military, you're trained. You just don't get handed a gun. So this is grassroots. Um, I can start naming the list of uh, leaders in this city uh, and everybody in the station would know them because they've been on before, many of them. So it's it's grassroots, it's not outside money. It's but that. Uh, Reverend Prasad Cecil, you know how it works. If you don't have a good argument against, you create false arguments. 
and that's being done. I, I will never, you know, King's six principles of nonviolent direct action are core to this movement, the high road movement. So I'll never, you don't attack the person, but you can go after the policy or the arguments. And believe me, there are so many false statements being made about this to plant seeds of doubt. And that's all you have to do to try to defeat something. So, no, this is grassroots. It's Oregon. Um, and others around the nation are watching. When we do this, it'll be bellwether for the country. Who would think out of Oregon will come something that will sweep across this country for change? So the statistics you cited at the very beginning of this program start to change those. And it's, again, for our children and youth, we have to do this. As adults, we can't stand by. Dr. King said, you know, to not resist evil is to be complicit with it. And believe me, the gun violence in this country is a terrible, terrible thing we must challenge. And I'll pass it on over to um, Celeste. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes. we can. Okay, great. So I've, as I've been listening, um, one of the things I think is really important for us to uh, consider when we want to share this with uh, people, whether we are hoping to change their mind or just give them a stronger position of um, of uh, and confidence in this measure is to note that whenever we've tried to uh, modify any rights that we have in this country, it has been for the safety and benefit for the most part of all of us. And I think sometimes when you talk about the opposition, um, it can be couched in really one dimensional terms. You're limiting our rights, you're taking away something you're causing us to be less powerful when in reality, um, you know, this is keeping us alive. This is keeping us vital as a community, as a national community, of course. Uh, that is the aim. But, you know, as far as Oregonians are concerned. And so, um, I, I, you know, I say that because that's one of the first things you hear out of people's mouth. Well, you're taking away our rights. Um, but in terms of... Um, in terms of um, states that have enacted these laws, what has been some of the benefits that they have noticed, uh, Pastor Newsom or, or Liz? Uh, are you familiar with any of the benefits they noticed? Because you, you know, Cecil, you did mention that Oregon would be, you know, making a a move to, and they are being watched nationally. Liz. Sure, I'd be happy to answer that. I mean, the main benefit is it saved lives. I mean, that's that may be all we we need to say. But I, there are um, twelve states now that have a, a ban of some kind on large capacity magazines. Washington just passed one last February, um, and California has had one for a long time. And there are also. No, it's a little complicated. There are 16 states that have some kind of permit process. Nine or ten of them really are very similar to this. And probably the most significant uh, statistic that I've seen is there are some studies done out of Johns Hopkins. And, for example, in Connecticut, when they passed this law, there was a, a decrease in homicides, so gun-related homicides, by 28% and a decrease in suicides. And we don't always think of suicide as being something that will be impacted, but it seriously, seriously will as a decrease of 33%. In contrast to that, Missouri uh, had a law like this, and it, it uh, repealed it. And the gun homicides went up by 47%, and the suicides went up by, I believe it was 32 or 33%. That's, that sort of tells it all. Um, the states that have these two provisions um, in general are the ones that have the lowest uh, death injuries by, by gun um, in all the country, and we want to join that group. You're listening to More Talk Radio here on Your Community Connection, KBOO Portland, 90.7 here in the city, 91.9 and the Columbia River Gorge and the Willamette River Valley. It is 104.3 and everywhere KBOO.FM. And we are speaking today about the Oregon Measure 114, which describes some significant, but um, I won't say it's going to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking, limiting 
changes. It doesn't it doesn't take away our abilities to exercise our Second Amendment rights, but it gives us some safeguards. And I think um, um, it's a good way to present that to folks as you're trying to discuss and debate the issue. Uh, uh, we've got two guests here. Actually, actually, we have three guests. <laughs> uh, Celeste, oh. um, joining joining us via the phone is Rabbi Kahana, um, who's also been very active um, with this um, with this movement. Uh, so let's see if we can bring uh, the rabbi in. And, and Cecil, if I may, if I may say too, just um, Rabbi Kahana is a chief petitioner, Beth Israel downtown, and very active on this. And then Marilyn Keller, jazz hall of famer. Um, she's worked with every musician, and she's in Europe right now touring. But she's a chief petitioner, and and the diversity of, of faith communities and music and the arts are key to this. We're doing a different kind of campaign. We're going to be going around the state with musicians in different parts, and because we we want to weave something. We're trying to weave community at the same time, the beloved community, and you don't do that by going low. You go high, and and music and the arts. We have to have that, as you know, at Kabu so well. So Rabbi Kahana, great to hear you this morning. Rabbi, are you there? We have a little of engineering problem. Um, but as we try to get Rabbi on, um, let's continue our conversation with um, with those of our guests who are, are in, <laughs> in, the st- in the studio. And, and Rabbi, uh, give us a call back and we will put you through. Um, one thing that 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 comes up with this conversation um, that I've heard recently um, is that is that it um, places some challenges on on those who, in terms of of, of getting permits, in terms of um, resources, um, we we need to if we want to get a driver's license, we have to do some things but mm-hmm. um, the call in this measure is what some people s- might say is a, an extra extra uh, push for those to uh, to have guns How, what's your response to uh, that in terms that it, it limits um, different police authorities um, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, this this part of the initiative well, for the permit, it's $65 every five years. And, and you get your car registered every two years, it's 200 and some dollars immediately. And so, uh, and we'll work. We're going to have, uh, we have an equity team that's working, going to be working with the legislature because implementation is everything. And, and the equity team is a who's who of leaders, uh, again, uh, from BIPOC communities, from other communities. We're going to make this look at those things and make sure it's fair. But again, you, you, we do pay fees for different things. Uh, guns are the only thing you don't pay a fee for. Um, you have to have a license to have anything over 10 feet in the water, a surfboard over 10 feet. So, so this is not, we want to be very sensible, sensitive, but $65 every five years is, is not exorbitant. Um, and, and we'll make sure people who need them for self-defense uh, can get them. And working with um, law enforcement, I'm part of the Alabama Ministerial Alliance Coalition for Justice and Police Reform with Dr. Haynes and Joyce Harris and Dr. T. Allen Bethel, bless him, who's part of that host. And we're working to change systems to make sure things are equitable at the same time ending gun violence. Thank you. And I believe uh, the rabbi is with us now. Good morning, sir. Oh. <laughs> the rabbi is... Okay, good, good morning. Rabbi, are you there? We are having... Are you there? Okay. It's one of the Monday morning bugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to pop in here really quickly um, uh, and pass a new thing. You were missing the cost. And, you know, we need to unpack a few things. It, gun ownership, uh, rationales and, and motivations run the gamut. And it could be anything from it is part of the, you know, your hobby to uh, a professional tool uh, to a means of sustenance and protection. But it's not without its inherent cost. 
And most people who buy a gun know that you don't stop paying for the the activity. You have to pay for bullets. And so I think it's really disingenuous for people to focus on the fact that there's an increase in cost, but rather for them to recognize that this cost goes to not only administrative needs, so that it does help support itself. But more importantly, um, this this cost goes to keeping the the activity safer and more open to people who are going to be responsible. Uh, people get their driver's license revoked, you know, from time to time, and we have more than one of those a day. And you don't hear a loud outcry unless people really need the vehicle to go to work. And then there's measures for that. And so, you know, I think it's really helpful for us to remember to frame the fact that, you know, whatever costs are associated are part of the ongoing cost of being associated with this uh, with this activity. Celeste, that's an excellent point. But Liz, please. Sure, I'd be happy to talk about the costs. Um, but really, I'd like to talk about the savings that we would reap if this is passed. I mean, the costs to the, 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 to the public right now and also to all citizens are extremely high. When you, you think about the cost of a death, a shooting, um, that results in medical care. Some of it's paid by government, some, some private. Um, you think about the investigations, the police investigations. Um, court costs, incarceration, um, those things in every town, which is one of the, you know, one of the leading uh, organizations uh, in this area has estimated that it would cost really around uh, 90 to 100 million dollars a year in Oregon. And 20, I think they were, that was an average to just for those tax dollar kind of costs and they estimate 8.1 billion in terms of the broader costs, the social costs, the um, basically the loss of jobs, the pain and suffering, um, the loss of just your um, uh, uh, to, to businesses when they have to replace people and and change. And there's there's a long list of things that that uh, mental health care and things that aren't necessarily covered by Medicare. There are all kinds of costs just to society. So you talk about the costs. We want to reduce the deaths and injuries so that Oregon can reap those savings. That really can't be balanced against $65, really $13 a year. And, and you don't have to buy a permit unless you're wanting to buy a gun. So some people, a lot of people, have the guns that they need. Uh, in 2021 and 2020, more guns were sold in Oregon than in any, any other year. Many people already have the guns that they need and want. And so it's, it's just, it's not that big a cost to save lives. Celeste and Cecil, can I just give a, a human story? Because mm -hmm. the big numbers are big, 8.1 yeah. mil million or billion. Um, at the, President Biden's um, event on Saturday, I seen with friends from the Urban League and a woman next to me I never met before. And, and she looked at my tag saying 114. And she said to me, if only it had been 10 rounds or less, my son would have lived. I said, wait, wait, who was your son? And she told me, I'm not going to name names here, but he, Portlander, 20 years old. He helped her care, do caregiving. She's a home health care person. He's gunned down on the front porch, 12 shots. So the impact of this family, he had a seven-month-old and a two-year-old. And he helped to care for another family member. That's gone. Now she's caring for children. She's caring for another family member. She can't go out and work in the community. She told me her income's fallen by two-thirds. So just to one family, a gun death or even an injury has tremendous financial impact going forward. So this is, this is about human lives. It's about individuals and families. It's about our children and youth. And um, when you add up the, the, you know, I chaired the Northwest Health Foundation. And we talked about health being physical, mental, social, spiritual, and social. And believe me, every child at Uvalde, they're not only the physical damage, but the mental and emotional damage will be there for years. The, the spiritual damage, why would somebody shoot children? How can children understand that? And the social impact disrupting a whole community. And we know in Portland when that happens, it disrupts communities. So the cost is tremendous. So yes, a little money up front to change the way things are would be very important. 
And we're speaking this morning um, with, um, I won't say Rabbi Mark, uh, <laughs> Pastor Mark. Mark is good. <laughs> Mark <laughs> is good. Pastor, Pastor Mark um, and, and, and Liz um, with the... Um, um, Good morning. Can you hear me? Measure 114. And yes, Rabbi Kahana, are you there? Yes. We can hear I you. I am. All right. Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Fresco and, and Pastor Knudsen, thank you so much. Uh, you guys are, are really explaining this uh, uh, Measure 114 so beautifully, and I, I hope this is really clearing up a lot of misinformation that's out there. So speaking about clearing up misinformation, um, Rabbi, uh, say something about some more misinformation and, and some 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 clarity um, that that you have to say to those who ask you why are you supporting and uh, a, a petitioner for Measure One One Four. Pastor, let me tell you, uh, I, I'd like to I'd like to speak about hope, if I may. Um, I think that what we what we all have been experiencing for a long time is that as a status quo that is hopeless. We are being told that things can't change. And the reason things can't change is that there are enormous forces that are out there that are making profit, huge amounts of profit on the status quo, keeping things the way they are, keeping gun uh, restrictions to a minimum and we are paying for it as Liz explained to us just a moment ago we're paying for it with our tax dollars more importantly we're paying for it with the lives of our people people are dying on the streets all over our state and we do not have to live like this measure 114 is really common sense this is something that is uh, uh, that is understandable. This is something that science shows is going to make a difference, is going to change lives. And importantly, it's giving us all hope that the status quo is not going to stay the same. It's giving us hope that we can be the change. We can actually take control of this situation and not just allow uh, the forces out there to say it always has to be this way. Um, I'm so very hopeful. And the more we talk to people about Measure 114, the more I see their eyes light up and say, we can make a difference. We can save lives. At, at the end of the day, we can talk about policy. We can talk about the costs. We can talk about uh, you know, the, the, the ins and outs of a particular legislation. At the end of the day, we are saving human lives. That's where we should really be excited about that we can make this difference. Thank you so much, Rabbi. Um, and I'm emphasizing um, it is a a road to hope in, in imagining a, a society, a state that that is better. And this is an opportunity to create something new and, and challenging. Um, Liz, perhaps you can share a little bit about what it means to you uh, to be participating in, in this campaign and why it is something um, that is positive and transformative. Well, <clears throat> I am, uh, as I said, a volunteer. I'm retired. I, I worked in, as a lawyer for a while, for many years, and represented individuals, employees, unions. Um, and I, I felt in that process or that uh, work, I was helping individuals one at a time, but also larger groups. And I feel like I didn't plan to do this when I retired, but it is the same kind of caring for both individuals, but also as a group, we Oregonians are going to agree to this simple permitting process and to some limits on large capacity magazines so that it is safer for everyone and we do not have the loss of life that we've had. I don't know about others. Well, I do know. You, you have to be concerned when every day you turn on the news or read the paper and what's the latest shooting, the latest tragedy? 
it has an impact on us, on our, our psyche, to constantly be concerned. I don't have the latest statistic, but I think in Portland alone there are over there have been over a thousand shootings uh, this year, and and there have been last year there were over 165 deaths by gun, um, by h- homicides. That's been exceeded already this year. Um, it's just going to keep increasing, and that's not hope. But this brings some hope that we can have some peace and comfort to to live in this community and try to learn to resolve differences, not with a gun, but with communication, with working on programs for health care and education, et cetera. So that's what it means to me is changing our, our focus. Changing our focus. This joining us this morning um, have been some citizens, ordinary citizens in our community um, advocating for Measure 114. Um, joining us this morning has um, is Pastor Mark Knudsen and and citizen activist Liz McKenna and Rabbi Kahana. I think I got <laughs> the names. Names are all so similar. It's only <laughs> still too early in the morning. Um, <laughs> Perhaps it's called a preacher. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll go to you, Rabbi. Since you uh, emphasized the importance of hope, um, what do you say to those who say that we need to um, protect ourselves? I'm fearful for my family, and this is a a measure that makes us less safe. Well, I think the first and most important thing is that uh, guns don't make us more safe. Uh, All of the research shows that the presence of guns um, increases the likelihood of accidental shootings and suicide. Um, So the presence of a gun in your home is actually not about making you safe. That is the industry out there trying to sell you a gun. That is the, the message that the people who don't want things to change are trying to convince you of. Um, we, are, uh, we are in a place where, we are, uh, uh, where we're facing danger all the time. We, I, we don't need to be a society where everybody's got a gun strapped on them in order to be safe. That's, that's not the kind of world that any of us should be living in. Uh, and we, and, uh, and, and it's, a, it's, a com- it's a complete false equivalence. There are lots of other ways that we should, can, and should be keeping ourselves safe. We need to build a more safe society, but the place to start is not to keep arming ourselves. Well, you know, something you said that's really important is um, a perception of safety that, that pervades this, this whole argument on either side, um, uh, uh, Pastor Nixon. And uh, one of the things I want to say is certification keeps us safe whenever we have, or relatively safe, let me say that, whenever we have any kind of um, uh, skill set involved in human, in human life, so whether you are a bus driver, whether you are a doctor, whether you are a car mechanic or not, you have certification and licensing and training. And so for something that is as potentially as, as dangerous or, or even lethal like a gun, um, if we want to use that whole excuse of safety, doesn't certification, getting training, uh, getting some uh, advanced licensure, doesn't that help keep us safer? Yes, it does, Celeste. It definitely does. And I was talking to a person uh, just the other day who's from Douglas County, and she was asking questions about it, and she's a hunter. And she said, and I talked about the training piece you just talked about. She goes, definitely. She goes, I took my grandchildren hunting with me, and there were a couple of hunters out there who didn't really know how their guns worked. They were going to shoot at something they saw moving. She said, anybody that has a gun needs to be trained. And this is a hunter and a gun owner. And so many, many would agree with that. I certainly would agree with you on that. Uh, when you, if you, you need to know what a gun will do. Our veterans, yeah. they are they're adamant that people should be trained so they know what they're using and what they have. You're not about to shoot somebody if you see a video about what a, what a weapon does to human flesh. 
um, you'd be thinking a lot more. Um, and the training also, um, you know, suicides are often impulsive. Somebody will buy a gun that day in depression, go home, and take their life. I've, I've done too many funerals. Dr. Haynes will tell you that, too. Bishop Grace Osborne will tell you that, too. Many, uh, Reverend Linda Jaramillo and Smouse Lopez. We're tired of doing funerals for suicides and for gun deaths um, that take place in our city. But training is essential. You're listening to More Talk Radio here on your community radio station, KBOO-FM. We're speaking this morning with uh, supporters and advocates for Measure 114, which will be on the ballot, which you will receive very shortly. (laughs) So make sure that you uh, look at the ballot, make sure you fill out your ballot, and make sure you return your ballot. Um, A couple of our, our, our people here spoke about um, gun safety and how important it is and how this is a, an opportunity for hope. One thing I, that people often uh, descend into when they're talking about gun safety um, is the so-called urban-rural divide. Um, I think Pastor Mark um, shared a little bit about it just, just momentarily about a, wo- a woman who was a hunter um, who... who um, saw this as a reasonable um, reasonable measure. Um, so what do we say about those who say that um, those who uh, put forth this measure are Portlanders who have no understanding of um, those in eastern and southern Oregon? How is this a measure that um, rural, rural Oregonians can support? And that argument often is used on lots of issues. And I've lived around Oregon, so um, I've seen rural areas are just as progressive as as urban when given the opportunity, and it's often used to divide people. Uh, We have supporters in every county. We have DAs from Central Oregon and Southern Oregon on board. So um, that's often used to try to divide us. And this is something that's bringing us together across the state, rural, urban, suburban, People see the common sense, and it saves lives. Please? Sure, I'd like to add to that. Um, And I'd like to invite people to look at their voters' pamphlets. Um, We have, I think it's 34, 35 uh, statements that are in there, and they are from people all across the state. And they are from people, uh, as uh, Pastor Knudsen said, you know, they're hunters, gun owners, district attorneys, uh, nurses, teachers, um, health care providers, doctors. Um, it is a, a group of letters that I think are compelling. Um, and this, this is a, a statewide um, concern. I think there are some studies coming out that, that relate to where the, in, where the injury, injuries occur, and they are across the state. Um, and I... This will provide some of the training and concern. Uh, if I can say one thing about training, no, we we only require training, and people are shocked. But there's only training related to guns when you're talking about a concealed carry permit. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. why are we waiting until somebody wants a concealed carry permit? We don't do that with cars and wait till they're a race car driver or something to give them training. They ought to be trained at at the beginning, and and the training courses are are out there will be be developed um that's that's the easy part really they will be there and it's not for law enforcement i've seen some people say law enforcement can't afford to do all the training if you read the the statute it's not intended that law enforcement do it they need to be approved by law enforcement simply and if they're already teaching a course related to training um for the concealed carry they probably qualify and those courses they aren't quite as complete as we want them to be. Uh, those courses are only required to have a safety component. Ours expands it to say you need to have specific things, learn about safe storage, learn about the impacts of suicide and uh, homicide on our communities and our, you know, throughout the state. And there are spe- more specifics, but I think any course out there could be easily modified and, you know, I, they will be. 
uh, the marketplace will allow it. Anyone out there teaching a course now ought to get their training, get those modules added to their course, and they'll be the first ones that people will want to go to to take the course once the permit system is up and operating. You're listening to Your Community Connection, More Talk Radio on Community Connection, KBOO Portland. Um, if you have any questions, if you want to know how to get more information, um, if you have some thoughts, ideas, please join us. The phone line is 503 Wait, one, one second. One second, Celeste. Um, I want, because our phone lines are tied up at this moment, I want to give uh, Rabbi Kahana uh, a chance okay. to share some, some thoughts, and then we're uh, going to have to let the rabbi go so we can get some callers as well. So, Absolutely, absolutely. Go ahead. So, Rabbi, share your wisdom with us. <laughs> I wish I had wisdom. But I will tell you, you know, I, I just wanted to respond again to this uh, question about urban-rural divide. Um, uh, we're... We're all parents. We're all grandparents. We're all uncles and aunts. We're all people with loved ones who we are concerned for, whose safety we care about. It doesn't matter where we live. All of the young people that I've spoken to, um, no matter where they live, have gone through um, uh, shooter drills at their schools. They are learning how to respond should a shooter walk into their school, how to hide. Uh, they're, they're living in a kind of fear that just makes no sense. We shouldn't have to live this way. We should not have to have our children live this way. We are all affected by gun violence, no matter where we are. We all know people who have uh, suffered through gun violence. We all know people who are having to send their kids through these kinds of shooter drills. This is something that is affecting us. Measure 114 is going to make a difference. Not gonna solve it all, but it's going to make a big difference and it's going to help us know that we do not have to keep on living this way. So the, all of these divides that are being talked about, all of this question of complication and details and all of those kinds of things are merely ways to support the status quo to keep things the way they are, which means more and more and more gun violence, deaths, and injuries. That's what we are standing against. We're not going to keep on living this way. Well, well thank you so much, Rabbi, for joining us this morning. We have to let you go now so we can get some thank other callers. You. I appreciate you taking the time this morning. Yeah, um, thank you very have much. A wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you. you if you have a question or comment to share, give a call, 503-231-8187. And let's go to Molly. Good morning, Molly. Well, good morning, Cecil and Celeste, and to the three uh, wonderful guests you have. I'm really just calling in to thank all of you um, for this tremendous grassroots um, situation. I mean, I was so impressed by the people by your guests this morning, that they just are the creators of this of this uh, bill, and the voting is coming up, which is so, so important. But speaking of that, I want to keep this very brief. I'm very inspired. Um, you, before you were on, there was some great music uh, early, which I always listen to being a KBOO member, and I thought, I am donating today. Then they had the wonderful Mrs. Parks, and I'm like, oh my gosh, let me like be sure my myself and my partner and donating today and I'm saying this as a as just a KBU member that I am just so thrilled to be part of the grassroots of this country and the democracy being able to call in to say my thanks for the for you and your guests and for KBU and as just a member of KBU I want to just remind everyone listening this is a way we can all participate and I'm sending in today and I love the fact that you had this great show and all your shows. Thank you. I just want to say thank you to you and your guests. Uh, well, thank you, Molly, for your support. Yes, and thank you, Molly. Well, we're all part of this. Thank you so much. Bye. Goodbye. Have a great day. Let's go to Robbie with some thoughts. Good morning, Robbie. Yeah, good morning. Um, 
So I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, I, I definitely believe there should be a lot more gun control. I want to, you know, say that I'm definitely on the side of more gun control. I just unfortunately think there's a lot of guns that are already out running around. And, and one of the things that they said uh, that they're, they're saying is, like, you can get grandfathered in with some of the law, like some of the guns. But um, it, I don't know. It just seems a little kind of like, I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid to be totally supportive of it. But I wanted to bring up one of the things that people who are very supportive of uh, owning firearms will tell you the reason why you can have your driver's license revoked is because that's a privilege. There isn't a constitutional, uh, you know, uh, it's not in the Constitution that you can own a vehicle and drive it, which is why there's that. But that's the first thing that they will tell you is that because they can legally own a firearm or they can legally have it uh, via the Constitution, that you can't have a certification you can't have it because that is now crossing the lines into having that privilege of uh you know so it it, it bends that but i wanted to say just kind of from a devil's advocate point that that's one of the things they say against that but i do want to say that you know i think there should definitely be more gun control i just think it's kind of uh unfortunate that we're in a place where there's already so many guns on the street that this is probably just going to make it harder for people who want to legally own guns and I also think it's probably going to be putting people of color who own guns. If it, I, I don't know. I imagine the surveillance on it is just going to be targeting them more than all the white proud boys that have the guns and are getting grandfathered into, uh, you know, uh, maybe not having to have that. So it, it just seems so, a little kind of too late for okay. me. But well, Robbie, you know, there, there's a... I would say to that, Robbie, number one is that um, the second amendment calls for regulation it's built into that it says well regulated so this is nothing more than regulation this is not prohibition and it's certainly not some kind of um legal maneuvering that's like declaring uh poll tax for example on being able to vote which is another uh constitutional right but the other thing i do want to say is i don't think we should be as worried about using this to prohibit folks of color from, you know, being able to access guns with less surveillance, because that's already being done. And if we wait for that to be fixed, when the, this country has shown a reticence to address racial issues anyway, you know, that's one more person that's probably going to die from lack of a, of a uh, certification or licensing. So, you know, I, I, as a person of color, and as a person of color who uses guns and has shot, you know, guns before, um, I, I, what I I say is, as, as all the pastors and guests have pointed out, this is going to help us save lives. It does not stop people from the right to own guns. And, and we can't worry about the genie that's got out the bottle. We need to make sure that the, no more get out. But your point, your points are well made. Let our guests uh, offer some response, uh, Liz or, or Mark. Sure. The, the constitutionality of this, uh, this measure that we're proposing um, is, is supported by even the Supreme Court decisions, but I mentioned it's an, enacted in other states, and those, the courts of appeals for those states have said these provisions are constitutional. But also, the recent Supreme Court decision, um, in when you read the whole opinion, uh, supported things like uh, restrictions or, or passing background checks, training, fingerprinting, just the very things that we have in this measure. And the reason is your right under the Constitution is to own a gun, but not every gun and not without some restrictions. And that is that is established. It doesn't say necessarily you can go and take, you know, people's guns. And, and, and this doesn't do that at all. You can keep those guns. It only restricts use of large capacity magazines. So you're not taking them to the parks, the schools, the synagogues, the churches. And it is reasonable common sense change and restriction. Thank you so much. And let's go to our next caller. Francis, good morning. Hi. Um, I have a couple specific questions about the measure. 
And I myself don't own a gun, don't want a gun, but I do have friends and family who do with permits and all that. But um, I, the first question is, what's because I'm not very familiar with weapons. What what's the difference between a semi-automatic weapon and magazines over ten rounds? What's is there a difference? Does this prohibit semi-automatic guns or? What exactly? Um, no, I mean the semi-automatic weapons are are the weapons actually, and and the magazines. Um, most of them are detachable and they fit onto the semi-automatic weapons, and so okay. we're simply re- restricting the ammunition and the size of the ammunition to ten rounds. To ten rounds, and that's that's the level that the twelve other states that have adopted it um, have have. Uh, followed also i think one extended it to 15 but other than that 10 rounds is the standard so they can still shoot 10 rounds automatically they well it's not automatic you have to pull the trigger you have to put some pressure on the trigger each time it's not an automatic weapon those are more much more restricted and generally not available but it is it does still allow 10 rounds but it's it's a common sense compromise there's a couple of other questions about the criminal background checks. Um, do you guys know what specifically in a criminal background check would prohibit someone from buying a gun? Well, it's a long list. Uh, or it's it, If you are have committed a felony, that will restrict you. But that's already in the law. We're not changing anything right. about the background checks. No, I, that's, I understand. Yeah, and I it's, just, yeah, it is if you have committed a felony, um, if you have a restraining order related to domestic violence or stalking. Um, if Does the felony have to be a violent crime? Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, okay. And that's true and in a, virtually every state. Um, and one more question, Francis. And then I have one more question. It's a separate phrase, and it says that officer may deny permit to person believed danger to self or others. Does that officer have to have some kind of criteria or just believe that the person is a danger? Well, that's actually not new to Oregon law. That is, in fact, I know. The, I'm just yeah. That's the that's what, sure, sure. I didn't, but that's the standard right now for getting a, a concealed uh, weapons permit, concealed handgun permit, a concealed weapons. But this would re- for any weapon. It this would, would re- be, um, it would require it for any person after Uvalde, after Buffalo, those places. Right. When you've heard about in the Ben shooting, the the person had a record of some, you know. Some um, attempts at suicide so, and intent to I, shoot. Yeah, my um, I understand all that. Yeah, okay. I do. My question okay. is the way this is worded. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's totally up to an officer's discretion. No, the officer is that not true? There has to be shown a pattern. Um, it's not just the officer's decision or whim. There has to be a pattern, okay. a record of threats of violence or. Committing so are there unlawful violence. And Francis, we're running Francis. out of time. Okay, and, thank you. Thank you for your thoughts. And, and Francis, uh, just to also to follow up, the Oregonian did a four page piece on concealed weapons permits. There was not one, uh, hardly anything about people being denied. It's a, obje- very, it's a very objective piece. So um, this, this is based on that. Okay. And let's see if we can get Jeff in before we have to leave the air. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, so can, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes. Okay, so uh, I've uh, I've been triggered because of the uh, reference to the First Amendment in the or the Second Amendment in the Constitution about the well-regulated militia. Uh, according to the interpretation of the language that was spoken at the time, well-regulated means you could hit your target. So, do you have okay? Well, that's one interpretation of it. Okay. okay no, no, no. That's the interpretation of the language that was spoken at the time. This new interpretation that we have is based on 20th century or 21st century English language, which totally misses the point. Okay. So, and uh, in the in the future, just get your minutes. just get your terminology correct. Okay. Oh, okay, uh, all I want to say is we okay, don't have any you. proof of that, but I appreciate you uh, bringing it up. Okay, our last call, Thunderbird. Good morning. 
Good morning, uh, Thunderbird Sanusna. I'm from the Jamestown Sklalem tribe. Uh, my parents live next to some literal KKK members. The reason why I want a 31-round magazine is so that I can put 31 rounds in fascists. Um, the fascists are armed. It's ridiculous that we're discussing disarming the population when this real threat exists. Okay, that thank, is all I have to say. Thank okay. you, Dr. Bird. Thank you. We're not Let, let's, let's get our... Uh, uh, Last word in uh, Pastor Mark. Um, sum yeah. up your thoughts. And, well, and let me say this is, it is about our children and youth. And our teenagers that have worked on this are seeing democracy in action. And that is so important. They're seeing when nobody else will act, citizens can come together and act. And so this has been a learning curve. The other thing is we're in a Kairos moment. We don't create history. Sometimes history creates us. We're in an opportune moment in Oregon to lead the nation on common sense laws to save lives and, give, as my colleagues said, give us hope and give the future generations hope. So this is important. This is not a given. This is We have to all get out there right now and get to work. Tell our neighbors to vote on this. This is about our children and youth. Again, it's a Kairos moment. We can make change happen, and let's claim it. We won't see this opportunity again in another 10 years. We didn't see it over the last 20 years. It's now. Now is the time. Now is the moment. Thank you. Cecil and Celeste are hosting this outstanding program. Stay tuned. Thank for you more all for supporting your community connection as well. Stay tuned. We have the Old Mo Variety Hour coming up. And thank you for all those who support your community connection. KBOO Portland. You are listening to KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.